Welcome in everyone to 32 Beat Beyond the Tweets. I'm Zach Hajduk, and today I have here for the second time with us Cardinals beat writer Tyler Drake. As you probably already know, Tyler's a writer and editor covering the Arizona Cardinals for Arizona Sports at ArizonaSports.com. You can also hear him on Arizona Sports Radio 98.7 locally or on the Cardinals Corner podcast. If you're looking for him on Twitter or X as it's now called, you can find him at T Drake. For sports, Tyler, welcome back to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. Uh, yeah, a lot to talk about for sure, especially this week. So, good time to have me on. <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, we talked a little bit before the show. You're covering the Diamondbacks there with the whole uh, World Series. Sorry that you uh, were let down a little bit there, but I know you've had a crazy week. So, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Crazy, uh, crazy week for sure. Shout out to the Diamondbacks, shocking a lot of people and, and getting as far as they did and. Obviously, now it's time to fully turn back to Cardinals, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> All righty. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess just, you know, to give us a baseline so we can talk about the rest of, uh, you know, the things in more in depth here. What has been the overall story of the season so far for the Cardinals? I mean, we had a trade at the beginning of the week here or on mm-hmm. Tuesday, I think it was. So, uh, yeah, tell us about that. What What is this team at this point? Yeah, you know, the team, I think in a nutshell, is just a scrappy young team that despite having kind of the talent deficiency that a lot of us are seeing, are constantly trying are constantly trying to step, trying to have that next level, trying to fight till that last whistle. And that's really, I think, the big thing that you wanted to see out of a, a team, a new regime taking over this organization that, let's be honest, was really in bad shape not too long ago. So seeing kind of the buy-in right now and seeing these young guys kind of step up right away from the draft class and even from guys that are undrafted rookies, that's saying a lot about what this team's looking for. And, and, you know, sights are set on the future, but right now it's really about getting these young guys the reps and getting these guys who they feel who can be around long-term really integrated into the system. And it it really starts from up top. Monty Osfort and Jonathan Gannon have really flipped the switch on this organization and, and, Obviously, one and seven is not going to get you far in the NFL, but from what they were, this is a different looking team. It feels different on the practice field. It feels different in the interview room. So on that side of things, it is a giant step forward. Now it's about putting everything together. And obviously, once they get a lot of these pieces back that are hurt, that could uh, you know help make things look a little better on paper than they do right now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like you mentioned, uh, they've been a little bit scrappy. They've lost uh, all but one game, like you said, but they've kept it close in several, uh, you know, up to a point or played really well in maybe the first half and then, you know, kind of let it go there in the second. But maybe in some ways that's a best case scenario and we can talk about that coming forward here. But um you, you mentioned injuries. Of course, the biggest one uh, from last year would be Kyler. And uh, I know I have to give you props. And we talked about this on our last show uh, with uh, uh, just uh, on our 32B writer show. But um, we had to give you credit, man. You nailed this timeline exactly. I think you said three right. eight or right yeah. after that. And uh, yep. you hit it. I mean, they. it sounds like he was healthy enough maybe to play uh in week eight, but you know, they're trying to give him some time. There's some speculation that he may or may not start this week in week nine. I don't know. What do you, uh, what do you think? Do you think he's ready to go? This is a different system. I think than he's ever run to. Mm-hmm. Is that maybe why they gave him a little bit more time there at the end? Just give us an overall evaluation of 
where Kyler is at, and what you kind of expect this week and forward. Yeah, yeah. So where I think Kyler's at, I think he's ready to go get into that more football shape mode, which he's been doing since his practice window opened. They wouldn't have opened it unless they felt that he could be up to this point. So I think he's there physically. I think he's there mentally. I think right now it's just about can he get up to speed in the playbook? Can he, I guess, physically and mentally with his injury coming off that ACL, obviously career altering, career impacting injury. But now it's really about, I think, learning that playbook, really nailing down the ins and outs, the little things. He's been doing great in the meetings from what I've been told. Jonathan Gannon even said, I asked him how he was feeling entering this week with the possibility if it was going to be him or Clayton Toon starting. And he said, you know, he put him on the spot in the meeting room and, and he did great. He did excellent. So those little things just only add to the, you know, mountain of evidence that he's that much closer to play. And it's really going to come down to, I think, how they feel about him and how he feels after this practice tomorrow on Friday before they really make a determination of if, hey, we gotta, we're going to throw him out there. But it's, it's, really, it's really up in the air, I think, right now. There's a part of me that thinks, hey, if he's going to be activated, he should be playing. He's the franchise quarterback. Why not throw mm-hmm. him out there? At the same time, if they're trying to ease him back into things still, they've been patient this whole time. We've seen that. Maybe give Toon a shot if Toon clearly is in there and is not doing it and you don't want to hurt his growth, pull him out, throw Kyler in. I just, for me, I just don't see that happening. I think if they activate him, that's a sign that he's going to go and start this that that next week. So hmm. it's going to be interesting Saturday because, I mean, that's going to be when they're going to activate him or not. So it, it really is up in the air. I can tell you from what I've seen at practice, it's during the open portion. So obviously it's not the whole thing of practice, but he's working with sure. practice squad players. These are the same guys he's been working with since his practice squad or since his practice window opened. So that's been something I've been watching, even when he's taking snaps with centers. It's not with the starter, Yelda Froholt. It's with other guys. So mm. it's interesting to see that side of things. And then you flip on the other side, you've got Clayton Toon and Jeff Driscoll, who just got picked up from practice or as a practice squad member. They're on the other side playing with these guys who are on the 53-man roster. So mm-hmm. you're still seeing a lot of the same things, even with Joshua Dobbs when he was still in town. It was him and Toon on one side, Kyler on the other. So a lot of the same stuff we've been seeing. So it, if we're going on that, it seems like Toon's going to be the guy. But at the same time, if Kyler comes in Friday or Saturday and says, hey, I want to play, I want to start, I think that could could really go a long way in them deciding, hey, let's get him out there or not. But then you also have to take into account, do you want to throw him out there in Cleveland against a really, really tough defense? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think a softer landing spot would be against the Falcons at home. Give him that shot. And it's and nothing against the Falcons. They've got a decent defense too, but it's not Miles Garrett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're not tra- you wouldn't be traveling, like you said, to Cleveland. Nope. And uh we I mean, I think we saw the Colts put up maybe thirty plus points on the Browns, but up to that point they were pretty stingy on everything. And for a first time back, yeah, Miles Garrett chasing you around while you had a bum knee probably doesn't sound the most fun in the world. <laughs> so um yeah, I could see that. And I'm I've been kind of curious, like just to see what Clayton Toon could maybe do. Obviously, we mm-hmm. wouldn't expect a, a whole lot, but if the Cardinals are gunning for a higher pick and they think that 
you know, hey, maybe we'll just give Kyler an extra week. I could see them. I, that that sounds like justification enough to me. Uh, not that yeah. I think they're tr- the coaching staff or anything has tried to lose games by any means. It seems like they've been trying pretty hard. So um, just real quick, we'll touch on the maybe scheme fit for Kyler in this offense. Um, Josh Dobbs, you know, he's a mobile guy uh, to a degree as well. Now he's been traded, and you mentioned him. Uh, you know, he's been traded to Minnesota. See if he can help them uh, keep their season on track there. Do you feel like it's going to be something, Kyler? Maybe he's mentally smart enough and capable of doing it, but I know, you know, we've had discussions in the past about how much he's willing to study. But I know the last time we talked, you said like he was really on his P's and Q's about everything, mm-hmm. seemed to be a completely, almost a completely different guy. Uh, so that's good to hear. Um, I'm not really questioning maybe even his work ethic, but just from like a pure ability and a pure, uh, you know, like he hasn't done anything like a uh, Shanahan offense or a play action. He's been spread guy, like I think pretty much his whole career. Um, So how does that look for for Kyler or does it not really matter? Maybe I'm making too much of it. No, I, I mean, that's a valid question. And, and like you said, I mean, it's a lot of he's been operating a lot out of the gun and, and you've got to have this added wrinkle. I think last year we saw why there needs to be under center play. There needs to be more play action. There needs to be, especially if you want to be a run heavy team. I mean, last year, spread offense, we saw just it just seemed like the defense figured this this offense out in a heartbeat. So. Now you flip it around, you give it that old traditional kind of feel again, guys getting back under center, guys learning how to be how to do play action. Out of, and it's something that is going to have to be learned. But I think what he's showing in the meeting rooms is giving them a lot of confidence that he can go out there and operate how they that how they see fit. I mean, Dobbs, give Dobbs a lot of credit. He came in out of nowhere. Eight hmm. weeks, obviously the record was one and seven, but I would say through those first four weeks, you saw noticeable growth in an offense that could really thrive with a guy who can be mobile and and if they have the running game going. And you got a guy like Kyler, that automatically boosts both of those factors. So you drop him in, and if he can really sell out, buy in completely with this game plan, and, and yeah, like you said, it, it's going to be different. But if he can adapt and he can – buy in like it sounds like he's bought in it sounds like he's bought in 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 the meeting rooms and everything else this could be a really special offense that he could operate out of just because you've got guys that are you know his best friend is hollywood brown he's got him he hollywood brown is doing a lot of good things this year and is warranting more of a conversation if the cardinals should extend him after this or give him a new deal after this you've got other guys like ronda moore who can move around all over the place if you drop him and kyler together you, we've seen before how shifty and creative an offensive coordinator can be with those two guys. And having Kyler is just another huge step in the right direction for what this offense could be. Obviously, he's got to play up to it. His knees, his, he's got to feel comfortable with running. He's got to be comfortable with his arm. But from everything that we're hearing, it sounds like, I mean, DJ Humphreys doesn't see any hit, any hitches in his game. Uh thinking he's he's got some zip on the ball. We were talking to Paris Johnson, too, in the locker room, and he was like, yeah, there's not many quarterbacks that I can say, like, there is a sound that comes off the ball when they throw it. So he's definitely got the arm strength, it sounds like. So really, it's really how comfortable is he going to be when there's 11 other guys on the other side trying to go after him, and can he put that in the back of his head that in, in de- last December he was getting carted off with a torn ACL? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, 
I think that's one of the reasons why you had mentioned you got to see, you know, at least six games, even if he misses mm-hmm. this one, we're going to see it, I think seven or eight. Um, so hopefully you should see that. And so uh, we'll be interested to see how that goes. And we can talk about maybe the future there with him uh, a little deeper later. Uh, moving on to the receivers and the tight ends. Trey McBride, my goodness, last week, we can talk about him, just the rookie tight end there, had a pretty pretty crazy week, uh, at least by tight end standards last oh, yeah. week. Um, so that was awesome to see. I think it was, what, 95 and a touchdown, uh, 10 receptions, something like that. So, But uh, talk about him. Uh, we, we had Zach Ertz injured. I don't know how long he's out for, but uh, we also – had another rookie receiver, uh, Michael Wilson, who you, yep. again, I got to give you props. You're like, hey, coming into <laughs> camp, this guy's going to be the highlight reel of camp. And what do you know? Uh, now, uh, you're the guy making the videos sometimes. So, hey. <laughs> but um, as far as that's concerned, I mean, yeah, he's he's been at least a little promising. And we've seen some good things from him. Uh, talk to me about those guys, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Trey McBride, I think, is... I think this is what everybody was kind of expecting from a guy who coming out of college that he was a pass catching tight end. He, that was what he was known for. And he's really grown as a blocker, but now with Ertz, you know, being down for a couple more weeks, it sounds like with that quad, he really is coming into his own. They've, they're they're They've got more plays. It seems like for him, they've got more screens for him to really just get the ball in his hands and let him do things. And, and he's really, taking it and running with it, like literally. I, he almost had 100 yards, and that would have been the first time a Cardinals tight end had 100 yards in a game since, I think, 1989. So, wow. I mean, just a wild stat by itself. But five yards away from that, I think he had like 40% of the air yards for the team last week. Just they really made it an effort to get him involved, and he really rose to the occasion and really ran with it. So, I mean – I'll be honest with you. I added him on my fantasy team just in case for a backup because I got Kelsey, but I grabbed him just in case. And, you know, another guy, Michael Wilson, too, is is he has been just a, cont- a contested catching fool. The guy, whenever somebody's on him, it's I feel like he catches it more times than not. And it's it's been really cool to see him do what he's doing, because like you said, he's been one of those guys that I've said from the beginning is he really could be that number one guy if you needed him to be. But. The big thing is, is he just needs more targets. That's really what it comes down to because he's showing everything. He's a great blocker. He can play multiple positions, but Dobbs just failed to get him the ball until late in games, it seemed like, these last couple weeks. So I'm really interested to see whoever the quarterback is, if they can get him in the mix. But also, we got to see if he plays this week because he's been out. He's missed two days of practice with the shoulder. So that's definitely going to be something to watch because he is a big piece of that. And if he can't go, then I'm, I'm going to assume Zach Pascal is going to be the next guy up there because he kind of has that same bigger body frame. And he really hasn't done a ton on offense, but I think he's been more of that veteran behind the scenes, whereas Michael Wilson has really, really thrown him out there to see what he can handle. And it just seems like every week they can give him a little bit more. It's just now it's give the guy more opportunity because he's clearly, like I said with McBride, taking it and running with it. Yeah, and uh, we said this before the season too, but like he's basically the only receiver outside of Pascal, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. that has any significant size to him. So of course now you got Trey McBride, who's like six four, two, what two fifty, two forty six, somewhere around there, whatever it is. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so he really could have a, a a role there carved out for himself, I would hope, and uh, yeah, we'll see how that continues to go there. Um, 
the running backs, just speaking of injuries, uh, James Conner <laughs> was put on IR. Um, he's, I think, potentially coming back maybe by week 10. I don't know if you have any insight on that. But uh, a guy that I will say I didn't see coming out of anywhere uh, would be Amari DiMarcato. Uh, I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, he's had a couple of games now with uh, James Conner out that he seems to have performed at least relatively well, uh, yeah. or, you know, serviceable. I think probably more than some maybe would have expected. The fact that he's even starting over like Keontae Ingram or anybody like that. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the running back situation. Yeah, yeah. James Conner, uh, obviously, I think from what I can tell you guys right now is really Gannon told us, I think it was on Wednesday, he believes that he's getting faster. So he, he said that. We all kind of <laughs> laughed. But then after that, he said, no, they're doing a good job with them. Uh, it's James Conner. He's one of those guys that I, I feel like if they're putting him on IR, he's coming back after that four-week window. So for mm-hmm. me, I think he comes back. I think he's. I think it's going to be the same old Conner we, we all have known. He's just a bully. He's a bell cow. He'll take over that backfield again. But yeah, Amari Demercado, man, he has really surprised me. He's really impressed me. He's just really kept his head down and has just been focused on doing whatever he can for the team. He, you know, got that got a lot of love when he filled in for Connor that one game he when Connor went down. Uh, and, and, you know, he'd been used a lot for pass protection, third down, but then he got thrown in the mix a little bit more, had that first career touchdown. But then that next game, I was fully on board. I thought Amari was going to take it, take that lead back role and run with it until Connor mm-hmm. was out. That next game, he didn't hardly get any touches on the ground or really in the air, but had more snaps than any of the other running backs. So that was just a weird anomaly. I'm sorry for all the fantasy football fans that uh, probably took my advice and put up a goose egg. But, hey, I put up a goose egg too, so I took my own advice. But then the next week, yeah, I mean, he's he's they gave him back the ball, and, and we're seeing a lot of efficient, shifty cuts. I mean, it's – it's really impressive to see this guy work his way through training camp and everything else. Bottom of the depth chart, they brought in Marlon Mack. He gets hurt. They've got Damian Williams, who I thought had a potential to maybe take some more snaps. He's hurt now. And, you know, Amari, I think, really outplayed those played at least Damian before he went down to deserve that role. Outplayed Keontae Ingram, which Keontae Ingram, I think, it's it's been weird with Keontae. I think he's he's – having a rough, I think, an up-and-down season. I don't think it's necessarily totally on him. I think when he's in the game, everybody knows they're going to run the ball. So definitely Mm. think there's there's something to work out there. Uh, But, yeah, Demarcado really feels like the full package. And once Connor comes back, he's still going to be a big, big factor in pass protection, third down back. So uh, it's it's cool to see them actually have that number two guy in waiting with Demarcado because – Obviously, Connor comes back. He's your number one guy. They build that. They built really that offense. I feel part of it around him, just that run heavy style of offense. But look out for Amari to still have some contributions down the line, definitely in the rest of the year. Yeah, I think for the Cardinals, it means maybe they don't have to go out and try to like invest too too much. Maybe in the yeah. future. I mean, I know you're always bringing guys in at that position, but you know, maybe it means like you mentioned that they have something because the last couple of years there hasn't really been anybody behind that stuck. It seems. Uh, behind James Conner. So, um, okay, Uh, the coaching, uh, you know, we've still got first-year head coach uh, Jonathan Gannon there. Uh, And then we talked about Drew Petzing the last time you were on. And, uh, you know, I hadn't had really any familiarity with him, but it seems like we've seen some success again, even without the 
without the wins, uh, mm-hmm. there seems to be some encouragement there. What do you, how, how would you evaluate the coaches uh, at this point of the season? Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're doing a great job for what they came in, what they have, kind of what they came in and saw, what they had to build from. So I, you got to give their hat, you got to give your hats off to them. I think they're doing exactly the type of job that you needed to see from a first year staff and a staff that's coming in and cleaning up a lot of the mess from last year and, and the old regime in general. So Petsing, I think you're seeing a lot of the, I, I think you're seeing more and more of his creativity come out with each game. Uh, some things work, some things don't, but I think he's doing a lot of things to where when they do have to drop Kyler back in, it's let's run this now. Okay, this worked with Dobbs. This should work with Kyler. It should be even better with Kyler. And, you know, this didn't work with Dobbs, but Kyler's a different animal. So let's like, so I really think that he's working through some of these offensive game plans to where, when Kyler does come back, it'll be a lot easier for him to do that or to just to really get just go from there. And then uh, Gannon, I think, is just, you know, he's got everybody on his side. And I think that's really big for a head coach is being able to just have everybody buy in. And, I there, you know, there's been some media stuff about his, uh, I think, what his training camp speech kind of went a little off from <laughs> what I saw. But at the end of the day, everybody understands the message. He wants everybody to play for one another, play for the team, invest in the team, don't be detrimental to the team, and they can go far. And I think for what this team is and where they want to go, this is exactly the kind of person you need. And I think the rookie class from getting to general manager Monty Osifor, I think a lot of this just looking at the rookie class, it's football character oozes out of this class, and they've said it and said mm. it and said it. You can really see it from the B.J. Ojolaris to the Paris Johnsons to the Clayton Toons to the Michael Wilsons to even the John Gaines, who hasn't played because he, he had the knee injury. But just all of these guys come in and you almost are like, are these rookies? Garrett Williams. I mean, Garrett Williams has only played a handful of games, and I feel like he's going to be a huge factor for this team as a nickel or a safety and he gives Buda Baker and guys like Jalen Thompson the ability for them to go do their own thing. So from that standpoint, they're doing great. Monty, obviously, with the draft and just the way he wheels and deals, is gonna this team's gonna be fun to just follow on that regard because they're gonna unturn every stone to try to get this team back in the form of relevancy that needs to be to get in the postseason. And you have these guys who you can tell love football. They love the game. Only way you can go is up. Yeah. Yeah. And you, uh, you mentioned the future there, trying to rebuild it, get it back to, you know, postseason <clears throat> thing here. You know, they, they traded Dobbs. And uh, so now uh, I'm trying to remember what they got from him uh, for him. I think it was maybe like a seventh, sixth swap there. So, you know, maybe an extra bump there in the round. Uh, but- they got, so it was a, so they sent, they sent Dobbs and a conditional seventh rounder that they could get back if Dobbs plays or starts at least half the games and they got a sixth round back. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. So that's where that sound, uh, uh, that stands. But outside of that, at the, in the top half of the draft there, they've got one, two, uh, they've got two first round picks, their own and the Houston Texans. They've got a, uh, second rounder of their own, a third, a third from the Houston Texans, a third from the Tennessee Titans. And then, uh, so, so they've got multiple thirds and multiple first. So that's exciting. Now, of course, uh, there was a lot of chatter about how the season would go and like everybody is talking Caleb Williams and Drake May and all of that. So you said we needed, you know, five or six games to evaluate Kyler. 
we're definitely going to get that, it looks like, at this point, as we mentioned. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you think the best case scenario is, because in my mind, like if I was if I was a Cardinals fan or if I was the coach and I wanted, you know, this to work out the best way I could see it would be that, like, I still probably don't win a ton of games, maybe, but I see some really good stuff out of Kyler. I see him come back, get confident, be willing, like you said, to buy in, goes in and, and, you know, accommodates to the system. And then you have those two picks, two picks to uh, help you build with rather than spending them on a quarterback and kind of hoping because we know that Kyler's talented, but maybe like, what do you think he has to prove here to make that the case instead of them, you know, selecting a quarterback and then also maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. What if we get Marvin Harrison Jr. and trade back and then get multiple other pieces, you know? What do you yep. think is the best case scenario? And uh, maybe even tell us what you think is actually going to happen if you can. Yeah. To the best yeah. of your ability. <laughs> I know well, that's not I, fair. I mean, but. I think I think you, you kind of alluded to it. I think these next this hand these handfuls of games that he's going to have are going to be huge in determining what they've got out of them and what they can get out of them moving down the line. I think it's not only huge for the team, it's huge for Kyler to prove a lot of people wrong. People that come back from ACL tears, I mean, it's not like it used to be where that was almost like a death sentence, it seemed like. People can come yeah. back, but it's really going to be about can he go in and operate? When he doesn't operate, can he learn and can he adapt and can he grow? And can he move forward instead of sitting back there and, and potentially pointing fingers? I, I mean, hmm. I don't think it would get to that point, but we just have to see that. You could tell last year there was some tension there. What happens when the going gets rough? I think that's the big yeah. thing is can he can he keep that, you know, can he keep the momentum that he's got going now when the going gets tough? Because right now he's doing everything this team wants him to do. He's doing everything I think the fan base wants him to be doing. So that's all great. And I really do think, I mean, best case scenario, he's under contract. Right now, two years down the line, his deal is not going to be the the priciest deal, the, even the top five deal probably. So the best case scenario would be he goes out, he balls out. They can see they can get something out of them. Like you said, they maybe don't win a lot more games, but they have that draft capital to either get a Marvin Harrison Jr., maybe trade that other pick. But that would be the best case scenario. Yeah, you keep him around. You've already got him under contract because here's the thing. If you got to trade him, you got to get rid of him. You've got all that dead money. You've just got all of that, all the weeds you've got to go through again that I feel like everybody just got out of with that whole contract clause and just signing the extension to begin with. So yeah. best case for this team to stay out of the news for that kind of stuff and just focus on football with the guy that they clearly believed in not too long ago. And it really just comes down. I think you get a game or two, knock off the rust, but then you really need to evaluate what he can bring those last couple of games. Yeah, and uh, just looking at their schedule here, like you mentioned, they've got the Browns, the Falcons, and then we see the Texans, which uh, I guess lose or win that one doesn't. I mean, maybe <laughs> yeah. it won't affect your, I don't know what you want to do there. Uh, the Rams, the Steelers, a bye week late in week 14. Then the Niners, Bears, Eagles, Seahawks. So there are some tough teams there, but also some that should be winnable or at least you know give them a chance to to try and, and do that there. So I'm interested, like you said, to see how he responds when it is going to get hard because that defense, even assuming the offense, you know, picks it up even more. Uh, the defense, I think per PFF is like ranked 31st uh, for what mm. it's worth. And so that's probably not going to change too much. 
uh, throughout the remainder of the season here. So that's, it's going to be hard either way. So uh, the last thing I really kind of wanted to ask you about here is, uh, you know, we were mentioning Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr. And who knows what they do in the draft when it actually gets there, even if they keep Kyler Murray, but Hollywood Brown, his uh, contract, like you said, is going to be up this year. Do you foresee them keeping him? You know, the relationship with Kyler is there, so maybe it kind of hinges on that a little bit. But yeah. seems like a guy that you would probably want to keep around, but I don't know. Is he going to want too much money? How do you think that's going to work? Yeah, I, I really do think that the Kyler factor is going to be a big thing to this deal. Uh, it's that's, that's a tough thing. I think if they can get the right number, bring him back for sure. I think you've got the number one in the waiting or number one in the waiting or a number one type kind of person in Michael Wilson. But if you go out and get a Marvin Harrison Jr., that I mean, that'll change things. I mean, do you really want to spend that money when you've got another guy who essentially will be your number one guy down the line? Uh, It's it's an interesting situation because part of me says I don't know if they want to do that. They've got the pick. They've got other guys on the team that could step up, I think, but at the same time, you've got the Kyler factor. And so that, that definitely goes for something. And he's also producing this year. I think he's, he's been one of the bright spots of, of this offense. And, you know, he's really determined to find more consistency. And I think that's been really the biggest issue of his game is he doesn't have the consistency of a number one guy. So if he can put this rest of the season together and really show that consistency, he, I think he would warrant that money. But you've also got to take into account just where they want to get to. We They just got off of Hopkins' contract. We saw the dead money from that stuff. So do you want to go back and have that situation start up again? Obviously, we don't know if that will get to that point. But do you want to put yourself in that situation after you just came out of it? There's other positions of need that you could go fill. And like I said, there's also Marvin Harrison Jr. waiting in the wings potentially. So. I think a lot of it's going to depend on where they're drafting and a lot of it's going to depend on how Hollywood finishes the season. And obviously I think if he can stay healthy too, that'll just be another positive in his side. Cause I think he would want to stick around. I think he does want to stick around it and really build this thing back up with Kyler, but he's got to do it and not be detrimental to his, his price tag can't be detrimental to the team. I guess I'm saying at the end of the day, because this team clearly has an idea where we're, where they want to get to, but do they want to put that much money in one position? Right. Yeah. He probably doesn't have as much leverage as maybe he would have hoped perhaps going, especially if we yeah. see some more from Michael Wilson, like you're mentioning, and they do have those high draft picks. So, okay. Well, uh, before we let you go, Tyler here, what, uh, where can people find you? Yeah. You can find me on all the social medias at uh, T Drake for sports. Find me on Arizona sports.com. Uh, you can catch me on wherever you uh, listen to podcasts on Cardinals Corner. Uh, we do that every week after games. Uh, we'll have an emergency podcast when they uh, when they ask for it, when they warrant. Uh, obviously, when Kyler probably starts or act, gets activated, that would warrant one. So definitely uh, be on the lookout because I'm going to assume it's happening very, very, very soon. And, uh, yeah, you can catch me at practice pretty much every day of the week. <laughs> All righty. Sounds good. Well, thanks again for joining us here with uh, Tyler. Everybody, don't forget to go and uh, check out his stuff, listen to, read the work that he's doing over there uh, for the most up-to-date information on the Cardinals. Don't forget to like, rate, and review this podcast as well, if you don't mind reposting it. It does help us out a lot. Also, if you haven't had a chance yet, be sure to check out our Patreon for all of our previous podcasts and check out our website, 32beatwriters.com. 
Tyler Drake, I'm Zach Hajduk. We'll see you later.